Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. It's Thursday, and that's a long-form episode here on the Suncast, and digging into the stories behind the stories in the clean tech revolution. Thank you so much for lending me your ears and the only non-renewable resource that you've got, and that is your time. I promise I will not misuse it. You have found the right place for the next hour of your life. If you're new here, I, I really implore you to stick around and dig in not just this episode, but more of them once we've earned your trust. I promise that we will try our very best in the next few minutes to do that. My friend Rain Bennett knows better than most how to earn people's trust. He's an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, writer, keynote speaker, and storytelling coach with more than 15 years experience producing documentary films and helping others tell their story. He has a book coming out called Six Second Stories that we're going to talk a little bit about towards the end. But the the genesis of his company, Six Second Stories, is what you're going to hear about today. If you didn't listen to this week's Tactical Tuesday, we will perhaps rep- reference it here, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to it because we'll talk a bit about his TED Talk here a fair amount, but we deconstruct his TED Talk a lot more in this week's Tactical Tuesday. So I'd encourage you to go listen to that. Rain's mission is very simple, to teach people how to leverage storytelling and grow their communities, deepen their connections and maximize their impact in minimal time. If that sounds like something you're interested in, you're in the right place. And if you like what you hear, well, hope you'll subscribe to the show because that's how you will ensure that you don't miss the twice weekly content just like this. You can always check more than 400 additional founder stories and startup advice and even negotiation tactics with people like Chris Voss by going to mysuncast.com. But for now, get ready to tune up your storytelling skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, today we are going to dig into not just your story or how to tell your story, but why, to who, and why do they even care. And nobody I know is better equipped than my friend Rain Bennett, who's a two-time Emmy-nominated filmmaker, writer, keynote speaker, storytelling coach, dad, and friend. Got to know him through our trials and tribulations right here in our hometown of Durham. And I've heard so many of his stories. They are all compelling. And we'll dabble in a few of them here today. But first, let me introduce you to my favorite storyteller and soon to be yours, Rain Bennett. Welcome to the show, brother. Uh, thank you very much. I like that last line. And also, I am fully prepared to dabble. <laughs> we might dab a little as well. <laughs> uh, we both are fans of alliteration, so I'm sure that, that you guys might get a little tired of maybe uh, our, our inside jokes by the end of this thing. But we'll, we'll keep it focused on our mission. You've recently completed your first TEDx talk. And as a friend, I couldn't have been more happy when I saw you announce it. Uh, why did giving a TEDx talk rank as one of those things that you had to have on your bucket list? Oh, buddy. Well, I wouldn't be me if there wasn't a story involved there. <laughs> so when I was just a baby public speaker, or even when I was uh, had the idea, which is only just a few short years ago, 
I was working with a friend, mentor, business coach, and I understood or I had the the thought. I mean, now I have grown up on stage and musicals and plays, so I wasn't a stranger to that. And and I knew I could talk well and I was passionate about what I what I did, but I'd never pursued it, you know, as part of my business model. But I thought that it would be a great I mean, lead magnet, for lack of a better term, if we yeah. want to use Russell Brunson terms, the mm-hmm. big domino, right? Yeah. So I was talking to my my friend, mentor, business coach, who actually was in attendance at the TEDx talk, came from LA just to, to view it. Oh, wow. This is about four years ago. And we were sitting in a conference room by ourselves in uh, Hampton Inn in Kansas City. And I put it in my goals. We were listing out our goals. And he asked me, so why why TEDx? And I drew a blank and I uh, got a little defensive and I was like, what do you, what, what do you mean? Why, what do you mean? Because it's TEDx. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that was kind of the issue. And he was like, calmly as he does. He's like, well, I mean, TEDx is nice, but like you don't need TEDx to become a professional speaker, you know? And, and I didn't have any, any, you know, I got kind of defensive. I didn't really have any reason why I wanted it. The real reason was because of ego. Yeah. It's a little bit of a check mark, Right. You know, one of those things you put on your LinkedIn bios, yeah. right? Which is currently on mine. <laughs> and he was very, he was very correct. So I went on to start building my my speaking career, that aspect of my career, and did pretty well. Of course, the pandemic set things back, but I went within one year. I went from my first non paid speaking gig at the basement of a public library, and less than a year, maybe nine months later, I was keynoting a national conference. Yeah. So I went on and did that, but I never quite gave up on that dream of the of the TEDx. And I kept applying and kept getting rejected, kept applying and kept getting rejected. And I always ask myself why. Now I know why. So this year, I'm getting back focused on my speaking career now that we're kind of coming out of COVID. And I've been marinating on this idea. I've just been, I haven't really written about it at length, but I've been thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. And when the opportunity came for TEDx Raleigh, which is just 20 minutes from where I live in Durham, where we live in Durham, you know, I was like, I'll I'll pitch in this idea because I just can't shake it. And that one got accepted. And it did align with their theme, which was hitting a reset. But I fully believe that the main reason it got accepted is because I didn't really need them to accept it. I was going to pursue this thesis, this thought, this concept on my own anyway. I, I couldn't shake it. The other years, I pitched what I thought they might accept. Not really what I fully believe. Ted is about ideas worth spreading. This was genuinely an idea that I want to spread around the world. And so I pitched it with confidence, knowing that if they didn't accept it, it didn't matter because I might write a book about it. I'm going to do something big with it. And they accepted it. it. So that kind of ties into the point of the TED Talk. But that's why I, I did it. And then... Initially, that's why it was a goal of mine. Why I did it and was excited to it to do it this year was not just achieving that goal, was because now I have a platform that will be shared to 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 really start to dive into this concept and share it with the world. I was struck when we were hanging out and you shared you shared a couple of things uh, with me that really resonated. One I didn't realize at the time was the title of your TED Talk. So why don't you share with us the title of your TED Talk? Because I haven't shared it with the audience yet. Sure. The title is No One Hires You for Your Expertise. The real title is No One Cares About Your Expertise. That's but right. I, and, that, I, and that's what you told me. <laughs> yeah. I dialed it back a little bit for the for the uh, program, right? For for right. the for the website. But that's that's the real vibe is no yeah. one cares about your expertise. Now there's a you know, parentheses that should follow that, which which doesn't because you wanna you wanna get people there to hear like, okay, oh, what totally. is he really saying here? But if there was, it would be they care about your unique 
perspective and approach to the work that you do in the world. It's not saying experts don't exist because there is a narrative out there right now. I'm not saying that. And it's not saying that expertise is not important, but it's just a part of the package. But, but the point is that people don't choose you because of that. Mm. That might be their quality control when they like your unique perspective and say, hmm, I like this solar company, this doctor, this filmmaker. Then I'll go check and make sure like, hey, he's, you know, he's got some credentials, but they don't just look at you and compare you to other people like, hmm, you know, who has the most uh, acronyms behind their name? I'm going to choose them. It's like, hey, who do I feel like sees me and my problems very well, very clearly? And and I believe they have the answer to them. You know, one of the promises here for anyone taking the time to tune in is to be a better storyteller. So let me back up and ask a professional storyteller why tell your story at all? Man, what I love about what I do is that storytelling is the foundation of human communication. It is the way we communicate. Point, period, Mm -hmm. end of sentence. Mm -hmm. It is the most effective way by far for humans to connect with one another. Now, what we do with that connection is completely up to our current mission. So you can use storytelling to make people laugh and entertain people. We, we know that one very well. You can use storytelling to sell and market your products, to spread your ideas that you have that might change the world, to navigate trauma or darkness, to navigate these things, to build and innovate and design, to connect with people. It yeah. brings people together. So whatever your mission is, whatever your business is, that part is crucial. Communication yeah. is a timeless skill and tool But currently, because of all the technological tools that we have access to, we get a little too lost in the sauce trying to find out which one of these are going to make our jobs easier. And the first step that I think, no matter what your job is, understand how to communicate to other humans and storytelling narrative is Mm -hmm. the way. We communicate information in a nicely packaged narrative. That's how we understand it. That's how our brains work as humans. Similarly, at a bit of a macro level, before we di- dive into the how, we're still in, in, and I feel the why, and a lot of folks re- can sort of acknowledge, okay, I need to tell my story, but let's be honest, Rain, you and I've had this conversation a lot. So many people still haven't unlocked the reason why they're even doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't understand their story. How did you get so in touch with who you are and what you exist Whew. to do? Oh, buddy. Okay, now we're digging in there a little bit, which is okay. It's the space I love to be. Man, I wasn't happy. I mean, I was lost, right? I was lost. That's why. I was fed up with what I've always been passionate. I've always been a hard worker. I always, I always felt that thing inside of me that was like, um, you know, people will call it, you know, that I'm destined to do great things. But I just knew that I wanted to, to do things, to build things. I have a lot of different interests. A friend of mine calls it multi-passionitis. And because of that, I've spent a lot of my years and time and energy and money Spinning in circles, bouncing from one thing to another, trying this, throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall, uh, seeing what will stick. Well, that's fine to get you started, right? That's what my mom did to see what I would take to as a kid. Like, um, he's going to do sports. He's going to do music. He's going to do academia. He's going to do Cub Scout, what, you know, whatever, everything. And then we'll see what, what he likes. But when you, you're getting into your 30s, you know, that gets a little tiring and you start looking ahead and you're like, man, I got to figure, I got to figure something out. So I'm an independent documentary filmmaker and I just made a film that took five plus years of my life, a lot of my money, a lot of my energy. 
And it ended up having a success story at the end of that. We sold the film to Red Bull TV. It was self-financed. It was just a long labor love project. But at the end of it, I was done with it. Like, And I had to start back another project from scratch. And the idea of doing that with no knowledge of what the end might be was really daunting. And I was like, I can't just keep doing this. I don't want to do this another time, much less continuously. I need some alignment. I need to know where I am going. I need to stop chasing 30,000 different things or 30 things. Even three is too many. I need to get focused, right? And because I'm multi-passionate, it's not necessarily, I don't believe that that's a flaw, you know, the, 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 that the, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. I don't think, hey, it takes all kinds. There's more than one way up the mountain. However, it can yeah. be if you don't find some alignment. So I had to do a lot of self-work to understand like, all right, what is my thing? Because at the time, and I think I could have been successful at any of these things that I liked, but I was doing a little bit in all of these worlds. I was a little bit in the fitness space, a little bit in the real estate space, a little bit more in the filmmaking space, a little bit in the writing and speaking, you know, but they're all, I was segmented, man. I was being stretched and pulled and spun in different directions. And so because of that, I was stagnant, right? I'm just spinning in circles. So you feel like you're working, you're exerting a lot of energy, but when you stop and look around, you're in the same exact spot and I was over it. So that's what started it all. <laughs> you now coach small businesses, mm-hmm. thought leaders, nonprofits mm-hmm. on telling their story, on finding their unique angle, which is something yes. that resonates across all levels of humanity. Tell me a little bit about how you begin to peel back that onion with a coaching mm-hmm. client, right? You, you just met someone and you're trying to figure out and help them look through that intersection of their interests and their credentials, et cetera. How do you peel back the layers? Buddy, it gets messy. More than one occasion, quite often it gets compared to accurately therapy. It's very therapeutic. It can be cathartic. It can also be challenging, just like therapy. So I call the process finding your unique intersections. That's what it was called when I had a coach, another coach, the, other than the one I mentioned earlier, who, who helped me through this process because of my multiple passions. He was like, he helped me change my perspective and stop seeing it as a flaw and started and start seeing it as like, if you play into those unique intersections, you can really have a, a lane that you kind of uh, exist in alone. And I was like, I'd never thought about it like that. I had fought to keep these worlds separate. And he said, stop holding your hands up and keeping the walls from coming in and let them come in and see what happens, you know? And so the first step to finding you know how, where those overlaps are because listen there you'll have many overlaps many unique intersections you have to find one that also solves a problem for somebody right if we're in business you know so you can't just find like oh well I like Broadway theater and I like football you know what I mean like okay cool maybe there's somebody you can help with that unique intersection but this is the point so it's it's not just throwing things out there still so the first step gets real messy and the best metaphor or analogy that I can find to compare it to is when you are putting together like a 500 piece jigsaw puzzle. And if you take the box, sometimes the pieces come in a little satchel, a little bag. Sometimes they just come loose in the box. Either way, if you take the lid off that has the image on the top that you have to replicate and you just pick out one piece at a time and put it on the table, you're going to build that puzzle and you will never complete that puzzle. Am I right? Yeah. That's so right. what do you do? You, you them dump all them out. all out on the table. Mm-hmm. You flip them over so you can see them. You scatter them out. You make a big mess all over the table. It's way wider than the picture is going to be because you have to see them all. 
And at first you look at them and it's super daunting. You're like, I'm never going to do this. And then you see what? A corner piece. Okay. Top left. Because you can see it's blue and white, like the clouds in the sky and the image you have to replicate. So you put that in the top left. You see another corner piece. You see the edges. Now you see, oh, there's a sun in this picture. I see about 12 yellow pieces. They go to, right? The image starts to reveal itself. So similarly, we dump out this whole person, their experiences, their skills, what they're good at, their passions, what they love, and their personal lived experiences all out on a table. And that's sometimes tough. When you ask somebody, what are you skilled at? Most people will give you two or three answers. One of them is going to be what they do for a living. One of them is going to be what they do for a side hustle. And one is going to be a hobby. And then they'll be like tapped out. They can't think of anything else that they're good at. So, dude, sometimes it is like really like churning thick butter to get them to say like, oh, yeah, I'm good at soccer. I'm good at, you know what? I'm actually good at at jigsaw puzzles. You know what I mean? Like I want it all because we have to dump it all out on the table. I had one client and I won't name him, but if he's listening, he'll know who who he is, who was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to put snowboarding because that has nothing to do with with real estate. And I'm like, (laughs) trust the process. You don't know that it doesn't. And it's not that snowboarding has something to do with real estate. It's what Perhaps, I'm not saying 100% that 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 is the connection, but we have to find out. Perhaps the thing that drew you to snowboarding, whether it be risk-taking or adrenaline junkie, whatever, also is the thing that drove you to being what you do now, right? That's the type of overlap and alignment we're trying to find because once you understand – go ahead. I love what you said there because as I'm listening to it also as a coach, I'm thinking about the dimensionality of what – being a snowboarder and a realtor could mean right there. And and the first thing my sales brain went to is like, oh, snowboarding is an affinity group. And maybe you are looking for people that are into like looking to get into real estate, right? Like I start connecting affinity groups, but you actually went to the underlying sort of character traits that make you choose snowboarding over water skiing. Possibly. There's a, there's there's multiple ways they could overlap or intersect. But my point to him was like, don't sell your, don't like, we haven't even gotten started yet, and you're clipping yourself off at, at, right. at the knee, right? We do that so now, often. All, all the time, all the time. It's it's called a limiting belief. It's these voices in the head. Actually, it's these stories we tell ourselves, right? <laughs> there are multiple stories. There are stories we tell others. There's stories that others tell about us, and there's yeah. stories we tell ourselves. And that one can, can get dark. Now, that same person, that client, it was actually, this is how it really did overlap. It was actually his experience one of the things, the connection is his experience being a cook in a Caribbean island that tied into what he does as a realtor. So, I mean, really, you know, it could be something that you would never think wow. on the surface is connected. And mm. what stories is about connections. Remember, we already said that. So when you connect those things, it's connecting things that we understand to things we don't understand and you tie them together. That's how you teach people through storytelling. That's how you convey information through storytelling. That's how you tell your client that you are the perfect person for them to help them with their problems because you are connecting two things and two people. Yeah, I say this a lot to folks when I'm working on finding clients or thinking about your value proposition. A lot of folks try to pound. It's the saying to a, a, a to a guy with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right? If yeah. you aren't clear about your story, then you also aren't clear about your customer and who mm-hmm. you should be attracting. And not only that, but who should be attracted to you. Oh, buddy, you're nailing And therefore, yeah. you get personally offended when someone says no instead of being 
thankful that they and you are able to recognize that it's not a good fit. Yeah. And then you don't have this, you know, this competition or competitive nature because uh, now when somebody asks me, hey, Rain, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Hey, Rain, can you do a music video? It took me a long time to realize that's not what I'm on this earth to do. I've done a few. Some of them were great. Some were okay. But I have friends that are some of the dopest music video directors in the North Carolina. So when I have a friend who's a musician saying, hey, man, could you do a music video? I'm like, I can't help you with that. But, you know, I know who can and I'm gonna call them right now for you. Right. That person doesn't do what I do, you know? So it's, you. I mean, it's 100% understanding what you do differently from others in your field. And the second piece of that is who specifically is going to benefit from that perspective the most. Yeah. Rain, you said that leaning into your authenticity eliminates competition. Authenticity can be such a buzzword. Can you unpack this a little bit for me? Uh, yes, it, it is a buzzword. A lot of a lot of the things I'm doing right now are buzzwords. And some people complain about that. Some people don't like that storytelling and empathy are buzzwords, but I think that's a good thing. I'm pleased with that. Not just because that's my business, but because if empathy is a buzzword, like, hey, we're moving in the right direction. That is right. Yeah, <laughs> in the arc of you know history, what I mean? In the arc of I've mankind, s- we are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I've seen people complain about that. I'm like, there could be a lot worse buzzwords right now. Okay, so authenticity. What I was talking about at that point in, in the in the TED talk was that we get so competitive with one another. And who I quoted was Lily Tomlin, the the legendary comedian. And she says this great quote, which I love, which is the trouble with the rat race is even if you win, you're still a rat. That got a little chuckle. But the point is like, we're all, you all start doing the same thing. Like a bunch of rats chasing a piece of cheese. We get in that crab in a bucket, rat in a bucket mentality and you all start doing the same thing because you see this person doing it and and you all look the same. And that's a completely futile exercise because none of us are the same. Each and every person in this world is different. But we so often, we don't, I mean, so many of us don't lean into that and leverage that. That is a huge point of leverage. That is a huge tool to have is that you have a different perspective and we try not to and we try to emulate other people. Now, listen, I am also a firm believer that success leaves clues. I'm not saying don't pull from those you look up to. Come on, you and I like a lot of the same people. I mean, you know, like I'm not saying don't be inspired. I'm saying don't go out there and do exactly what Gary V does if you're not Gary V. That's his unique intersection, right? And it com- and if you know Gary V or anybody, you can fill in the blank there, but if you know Gary V, you do know his story and you know his unique intersections. You know where he comes from, his unique experience, you know he comes from the Soviet Union, you know about Wine Library TV and you know the whole story. If that ain't your story, it ain't going to work exactly for you like it did for him. That doesn't mean you don't take his tips for constantly capturing and documenting and, and producing content, right? That means just don't be out there throwing the five, you know, starting the sneaker line, doing everything that, that he's doing. Find your path, right? So leaning into your authenticity and eliminating competition because nobody should do things the way you do it. If we're in the same industry, I just talked about a realtor and I've been talking to realtors a lot lately, as a matter of fact, you're doing the same job. But everybody should still be doing it differently because you're different people. But they don't. They get in that mode where they're trying to copy each other. And the, the place where I see this the most often is websites. And people on their websites and what they say they do, kind of in that value prop, right on the first, you know, on the landing page, on the homepage, they'll say the same, they'll either say something completely vague or the same things that we see on every website. And in the TED Talk, I said this too. I was just like, you know, 
we value high quality. And I was like, well, I hope you do, Todd. Like, I hope you like, I hope you don't value low quality. You know, we go above and beyond. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. One of the best storytellers whom I look up to, Donald Miller from Story Brand, talks all about this in all of his books and, and materials is about clarity. It's so much better to say, you know, I help small business owners and nonprofits tell their stories effectively when they don't have a lot of time, money, and resources, right? I'm not saying, you know, we help you tell your great stories. Like, okay, how? Who? Who specifically? Like, there's nothing in that. When I go to that website, it makes me feel like you can help me. Now, if I'm a nonprofit and a one-person marketing team on that nonprofit with like a 250000 you know, yearly budget, I'm stacked and have, and have all this weight and expectation on me and no help. If I see that... I'm going to know that's the filmmaker I want to hire. I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel understood. Now we're back at empathy, that buzzword that's a great buzzword to have. You know, it only recently occurred to me how hard it is right now for you guys in the field to get the product that you need. I helped a buddy get a couple of megawatts of solar panels for a project pipeline and started asking around and it turns out This issue with WRO and shipping logistics is a nightmare, and many of you are stuck on the sidelines with projects you thought you'd be installed by now, and you need solar panels. Well, the perfect, beautiful, highest wattage panels might not be available, but there is plenty of product out there. If that sounds like a need for you, even if it's inverters, racking, trackers, but certainly solar panels, give me a jingle. Let's see if we can help connect you with the right folks. Nico at mysuncast.com. You can also WhatsApp, text message, Send a carrier pigeon. 510-427-8643 is my cell phone. Let's see if we can help. Hate seeing my solar warriors stranded on the sidelines with projects that should be installed. And we can help you get those across the finish line. Again, that's Nico at mysuncast.com. Put in the subject line, Nico, help me with fill in the blank. Modules, inverters, whatever it is. Okay? Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on Suncast. Yeah, you thank you for clicking play without you this show is just me shouting into the void but there's still people who don't even know about suncast i know i can hardly believe it myself (laughs) but that's where you can help me yet again there's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show if you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. Obviously, there are a lot of themes in the TED Talk and in your work with your coaching clients that I'd like to pull out. It's amazing what can be sort of packed into 12 minutes of content. (laughs) But one of the things that stood out for me, well, two ideas is the kind of the dark side of competition. We'll talk about that, I think, in a minute. Mm -hmm. But this idea that by and large, we're playing the wrong game. Can you talk to me about being different versus being better? Oh, absolutely. We will probably keep coming back to this. And this is what I really help my coaching clients with is, is these stories that we tell ourselves in our heads. When I first started writing about imposter syndrome, I had people coming all out of the woodwork in my DM saying like, oh my God, I didn't know that had a name. 
or, oh my God, I didn't know anybody felt that way. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we all do. Nobody talks about it. So mm. many people have, and that's just one of the voices in our heads. I call right. them limiting beliefs. And the only way to get through that is to reframe those thoughts. Now, we all have negative things about us that, or that we perceive as negative, right? Shortcomings, yeah. limiting beliefs. But we harp on that because we see the competition and we see what they're doing. And really, almost always, we can flip the script and reframe our thoughts on how we look at those attributes or traits mm-hmm. or whatever we have. And we can flip the script on that and use them as, as leverage points, but not when we're trying to play this game the, the, on the field where we see these other people. The best example I can give of this, I think, is Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, I'm a kid. I was born in the 80s. Mike Tyson was my boxing hero. Mike Tyson was the youngest person to ever win the heavyweight title of the world, undisputed heavyweight champion. Mike Tyson always thought he was too short to be one of the greats. He was only like 5'10". We all know he was one of the greats, dynamic knockout power. Now, but he thought he was too short because all the greats were tall, six foot four, six foot six, Lennox Lewis. So they had the reach, right? Reach is a big component of boxing and people think it's everything and it's not, right? It is a big thing and it can be wielded and yielded as as such. But he thought he would never be good because he wouldn't be able to like combat someone with a long reach. So his trainer taught him how to one, bob and weave and use his his lack of height, if you will, to get lower and actually be lower than those long punches could reach these tall people up there and play low and throw his jabs instead of standing straight up like they were and trying to meet them at their game, which he would inevitably lose every time, he'd come and throw jabs from angles. And that's Mm. how he got so devastating because the punch that knocks you out is not the one that is the hardest, but the one you don't see. And that's what he (laughs) hit people with is the ones that he didn't see because he would be down here at some contorted angle and throw a jab from the floor, man. Go back and watch him. Yeah. And he developed his own unique style. But the limiting belief that he always had was, I'll never be great because I won't have a, a long reach like like the other greats that I see. Muhammad Ali was his idol. Muhammad Ali was like 6'4", I think, maybe 6'3", long, tall, right? And that wasn't his style. Once he leaned into that, it was something nobody else was doing and obviously set him apart. Now, of course, he's he was the best in the world, but that tactic can be used for all of us. I used that tactic mm. myself. We all can, but what happens is we see these things and we think, oh, I'm too short to be one of the greats. And it's just not true. It's comforting words for two guys that are collective, <laughs> vertically collect, challenged, collectively uh, 11 feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never understood that either. Like people always talked about, you know, short as if it was a negative thing. It's just like there are negatives to being tall, too, whether we're talking about physical competition because yeah. I was an athlete or just life. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm more comfortable on a plane than someone who's, you know, six foot six. <laughs> but also I, because I boxed. And learned how to defend myself. Like I never looked like big tall certainly doesn't mean now listen, if we're talking about like a, you know, a defensive lineman who's, you know, six, six and 350 pounds, that's one thing, but tall in itself to me, never, you know, never meant anything other than just, okay, you, you were tall, you know what I mean? And and so it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. But the reason people have that feeling about height is because the society has has put that on people. So again, It's the same thing in business. If this the norm has always been to do this, or for Mike Tyson, if the norm has always been these tall, you know, long reach uh, heavyweights, then you're going to think I can never do it because it's always been this instead yeah. of flipping it around and saying, what could, do I have that they don't have? Yeah. 
You know, I feel like many of us, myself included, have walked through life, sort of living life on what you refer to as the dark side of competition. Mm -hmm. I believe fundamentally that a lot of the things I've missed out on in life are because of a deep-seated, early, ingrained fear of failure. Buddy. Right? Rather, so can you talk a bit about the fear of losing and its corollary? Yeah. So I came from an abusive alcoholic family, my father. And as I got older and got into therapy, I realized there are these archetypes of adult children of alcoholics. And you can be the clown, you can be the misfit who goes off and gets into trouble, or you can be what I realized I was, which was the family hero. I was excelling in academically, musically, athletically, because everything was so negative in the house. I tried to insert positivity with my accolades, with my mm. achievements, so much so that my fourth grade teacher, my mom just told this story recently at a, at a family gathering. My fourth grade teacher told her, like, you don't need to pressure Rain. Like, he he pressures himself enough. Like, I used to give myself severe stomach pains as a nine-year-old if I got a B, right? Yeah. Because... I had this thing where like I had, it had to be perfect. Now I know where it came from, but yeah. I've also realized as an adult that it might not come from that origin with everybody, but many of us have a deep seated fear of failure. Yeah. There's shame involved, right? I mean, this is a, this is like biology, right? Mm -hmm. This is neurology. This is psychology. This is how, how we are wired. You know, you don't want to fail in front of people and be shamed and, 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 kicked out of the community that is taking care of you, right? This is real human stuff. Yeah. So often we are driven by the fear of failure, the fear of losing. What happens when that, when that you're experiencing that is it creates a scarcity mindset. When you have a scarcity mindset, you stop being creative. You don't want to do anything that's uniquely you or stands out because you think standing out is going to make you get cast out. Or if, mm. if this is the norm, just like Mike Tyson, if everybody is tall, six foot and above, and you're 5'10", you think, I'm not going to do it. So similarly, you think like everybody's saying we value high quality and we go above and beyond. If I say something different, they're going to think I'm a freak and I'm not really a good real estate agent. Right. Or, you know what I mean? And this, this, it's corrosive. It's insidious. And so, the, and, and when you get in that state, everything is this kind of like, it's like that, the, the drowning victim where you just need to calm down, but you're, you're, you're drowning the person trying to save you. You know, you clench oh, yeah. your, your hands and you know, if you squeeze something too tightly, often it'll shoot right out of your grasp because of that. And this is what it creates and it allows it, it makes us have tunnel vision and we can't see objectively. We can't make moves and it just, it, it. I'm telling you, it just wears you, wears you down, but you certainly can't be creative and, and figure out your authentic self. Yeah. I mean, I play in a soccer league and on Wednesday nights, an adult soccer league. And when I get into that state where my confidence is low, I, oh, and I, I was there last season, I'm missing goals from six yards out that are, yeah. should just be a tap in because all I'm thinking when the ball is rolling my way is like, don't miss, don't miss, don't right. miss. What do you think I'm going to do, Nico? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're feeling good, you don't even think about that six, that, that six foot tap in, right? You're, you're, you're confident. You just walk up, tap, tap it in, run back, celebrate with your team. It's the same thing in life. It's the same thing in business. It's all about the mentality. And so if you are in that fear of losing, you're going to try to hold on. And when that ball comes rolling, you're going to think, oh my God, oh my God. Or that client that you desperately need. Oh my God, oh my God, I'll say anything. I'll do anything. You're not thinking like, Hey, be cool. How can I be myself? Because to be yourself, Nico, you have to be willing to lose that client. Mm -hmm, you have to be willing right. to know that you're not the perfect person for them. And that takes being cool, calm mm, and collected right. and confident, right? 
But if you're desperate, which we get sometimes in business, you're going to do whatever you can to get that that client. And that's a scarcity mindset. And then if you get trapped into that, it's a dangerous place to be. And it won't let you deeply impact your audience. It won't let you grow into who you can really, really be. But if you can own that lane, you don't have to worry about being in that state. It reminds me of uh, something that early in my career, I really uh, was able to anchor to, thanks to a friend of mine, Gary, who shared an audio file from Michael Burnoff. I don't know if you know Michael Burnoff, but he's a contemporary of Tony Robbins. And he used to host these hundreds of people teleconferences, right? Like the morning call where you get on it and he's telling everybody kind of, this is the new thing. Uh, it's, it's like the, the, the 90s version of a webinar. And he has this one where he talks about core confidence. And in it, he actually goes into anchoring to moments in your history where you succeeded mm-hmm. in life. And it doesn't even have to be relevant for the business meeting you're going into. The one that I anchored to, this might sound silly, but for us little guys trying to play baseball, the same thing is true by and large. The big, tall, bulky guys are the ones that hit the home runs. And I never hit one out of the park ever in my life, never knocked a home run in the classic sense. But I hit the cheater home run, the inside the park home run, because mm-hmm. I'm short and fast. You can run fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll never forget being at Bryn's Neck as a ninth, a nine year old hitting. I mean, I, I nailed the ball. It went right between center field and right field. And it went all the way to the fence. And I remember rounding first and watching it tap the fence and thinking, I'm going to make it home, right? Like <laughs> there ain't, there nobody, there were nobody even close. And I remember that feeling even now at 42 of what it felt like when my team welcomed me having hit that home run, right? It was a, it was a home run. I didn't hit it over the fence, but I got another point on the board and it happened just, just because I stepped up to the plate and that anchoring is he ties it to this mantra that I use with my children and it works wonders. It works wonders to try this with your kids as well. It is when you have in your mind this vision of when you have felt that winning feeling, you can say to yourself with confidence that it's true. If I did it once, I can do it again. You know what I love about the inside the park home run story is that one, it counts the same amount of runs as the home run over the fence does, right? right? If there's no one else on base, you know what I mean? Like if all else is the same, counts the same, you know, the smacking it over the fence, 475 feet, whatever, it's still the same, yeah. still one run. And also a second piece of that is lots of people can hit home runs. Lots of the great baseball players, hardly anybody can score it inside the park home run. And if you are the person who can do that, then you are a serious, unexpected threat. And that is what I'm talking about. That is leveraging those unique abilities that you first perceive as flaws, but if you flip the script, you can see how those can become what you know your superpower, right? Because if they see you, if the pitcher sees you, you're like, oh, well, even if he hits, this thing ain't going very far. But if you put that on the fence and you can score, buddy, yeah. you are a major threat that they didn't even yeah. see coming. That is value. That is powerful. More powerful than seeing a big dude go up there who you know can hit a home run and then they hit a home run. Right. You see what I'm saying? The hit that knocks you now is not the hardest one. It's the one you don't see. And even as you were describing it, you're like, I could never do that. Like, still, there's a little bit of that, like, you know what I mean? That that, mm. that limiting belief in there. And that's what, but it's real hard to get past that. But if you yeah, look it at it objectively and look at your story as you're the character in it, instead of like being in it, again, you get blinders on when you're doing that. Then you see like, holy shit, I came up there, little guy, you know, they were counting you out. You put that shit against the fence and that's why they pulled in. That's why I was able to dip one over their heads. Right. 
So that, just like Mike Tyson, you're throwing from different angles now, right? That's mm. fucking way more powerful than just being a big guy hitting a home run. And this is, and think about all the people in the middle. <laughs> they're trying to be the big guy hitting the home run. Yeah. They think that their self-worth is non-existent if they don't hit the home runs because that's what yeah. they see the accolades. So you, that's the majority of the people are stuck there in the middle trying to play that home run game. And you're down here knowing you can't do it and you found your own way. This resonates so much. Uh, and I know that like there are folks in my tribe that really they're going to they're going to understand how how much this resonates so true in my career. But if we bring it full circle, let's pick another icon. And that's Cal Ripken. Cal mm. Ripken's in the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right. For most on base hits. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's I mean, he has most on base hits. He has several accolades, but even true. But Cal I Ripken, I think he's most longest, games played, right? Or most starts in a row, I believe. Most is starts whatever. in a row I, as I think well. so. I think so. And the thing that Cal Ripken realized that I implemented in my career early on, like I'm the inside the park home run hitter. That's a, it's hilarious now that we've talked about it, that that actually like really characterizes a lot of the ways that I've approached my career. Yes. Dude, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt. This yeah. is what I would take people through. And this is why the snowboarding or the baseball when I was a kid is irrelevant. Yeah. You know, when we're, if, we, if I were coaching you, because yeah. that story now you, you're having an epiphany, a light bulb moment right now. And you're like, holy shit, I've hit inside the park home runs in business. Oh yeah. Now you get it. So now when you're telling a story yeah. on stage, you tell the home run story and tie it into what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, just to, like I said, Cal, Cal Ripken is a legend in the industry and he is not a legend for the same reasons that some of the other greats, the, the mm-hmm. Barry Bonds and the Pete Rose for home runs. Mm-hmm. And he recognized early in his career that he just needed to get it between the first baseman and the second baseman, right? You just need yeah. to get it out of the, out of the infield. He was a master at getting on base, at getting on base. And I think a lot of us do in our careers and especially entrepreneurs, we look for the early home runs as signs that we have, that we've got something special, that we have the secret sauce, but the reality is getting on base is how you get money in the door. You got to mm-hmm. get on base, right? And you got to, and it comes back to this idea to bring it full circle of playing the wrong game. So many of us yeah. are just playing the wrong game. It's about consistency. You know, those early home runs are one thing, but that's not longevity. And that's what we're looking for, right? Yeah. Cal Ripken had longevity. It's like the difference in selling a house and getting a nice little chunk of change and then having cash flow for years, right? Like that's how you build wealth, not just get a payday. Everything's about the long game, but we're shooting for the home runs because that's what gets the praise. And that's what we care about. We care about the accolades. We want the trophies. Rain, it is certainly an honor and a pleasure, as I said in uh, Tuesday's episode, to have you on the show. Thank you for going deep, for helping me tap in to some of the limiting beliefs that I've carried for years and reminding me of the truth of who I am and how I can bring uppercuts that, that are, <laughs> are, are felt, but not seen. <laughs> I encourage everyone. If you didn't listen to Tuesday's episode, rain and I kind of break down his storytelling model vis-a-vis the Ted talk that we talked about here on this episode, go back and listen to that one as well and go pre-order Rain's book. Rain, for uh, posterity's sake, how can folks find you and how can they uh, access the book and what's the book called? 
Yeah, uh, you can find me at rainbennett.com or really anything Rain Bennett. All my uh, social media handles are Rain Bennett, and uh, there's not many of us out there, so I'm pretty easy to find. The book is called Six Second Stories, Maximize Your Impact in Minimal Time with Video Storytelling. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it other places as well. You can find it at my website, but as we all know, Amazon is kind of the the main spot for uh, for books, and so that's a good place to find it. We have a Kindle version, we have a paperback, and probably at some point early next year, we will have the audio version as well, which will be super exciting. Well, brother, I wish you well, and I would love to have you back. Maybe, oh. maybe in the maybe in the new year, maybe a recurring uh, segment from Coach Rain on, uh, on on how to tell your six second story. I want to get through the book so that I can ask poignant and thoughtful questions. I'm going to invite mm-hmm. our Suncast tribe to read the book and pepper us with questions so that we can actually host, but we can do a LinkedIn live. We can do all kinds of fun stuff. And I'll also say uh, to to anyone out there listening, like, I love this stuff. I live and breathe it. If you read something, you have a question for me, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm I'm always happy to talk this stuff. Yeah. And he's all over the gram. He's got some incredible content there. I would encourage you to dig in. You can do that as we always share on the show notes on the episode page at mysuncast.com. Stick around for the ending of this episode and you'll get all of those goodies and more. But first, I want to say thank you to my good friend, Rain Bennett. Thank you for joining us here on Suncast, my friend. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. All right, Solar Warrior. What a fantastic week we've had helping you craft your unique position in the marketplace. Are you convinced now that nobody hires you for your expertise? Where is your unique intersection? Rain and I are like brothers from another mother, and it's because we both identify the ability in all of those around us to get beyond your self-limiting beliefs, to tap in to the thing that helps you feel the winning that you have experienced already in your life. Remember, if you've done it once, you can do it again. If this resonated with you, then Rain and I would love if you would go and Give us a shout out on LinkedIn or Instagram. I'll link to all of the social media over on our episode notes at mysuncast.com. And that is also where you can go grab more resources like the TED Talk and the book that Rain has recently written. I hope you'll help us by pre-ordering his book and helping him climb the charts on Amazon because I just think that more people need to hear what Rain Bennett is bringing into the world. And I'm so grateful for what he's bringing into the world. And that's why I brought it to you the week before Thanksgiving. Next week is Thanksgiving, and we'll have another wonderful episode with my friend Jonas Scali of Everybody Solar. I hope you'll tune in for that. And if you're going to take a break, then uh, know that there will be some episodes queuing up in your Suncast feed. We're getting ready to launch a fun project that I've been working on going into the hydrogen economy. So I hope you'll keep a look out for that one you'll see a preview of it here pretty soon thank you once again to our sponsors who help keep this content free for you the suncast tribe so that you can dig into all of this learning you can find out more about them and their offers at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor that's also how you can learn how to partner with me to bring your message to thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions twice a week each and every week remember Your story is unique, and that is what attracts me to you. Oh, and you are also what you listen to. So thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.